God bless you. And uh, we've got not only some uh, special friends that are in law enforcement and all of that, but I've got some friends of a lifetime. Uh, and uh, this is Bonnie Otis. And some of you have heard her sing. We're excited about having her sing for us today. She's going to sing this and then a- another song in just a few moments.
Bonnie, 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 Bonnie. My goodness, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Here we go. Help you down these big flight of stairs here. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you, Joe, for bringing your bride to be with us today. Man alive. I don't know if that does anything for you, but it does for me. We're thankful for all of you who serve us, and I'm going to ask all of you who are in law enforcement or firefighting or EMTs or explorers, if you would please do us a favor and stand. Stand up right now so we can honor you. Remain standing. Yeah. We appreciate all you do. We know that. We know that often this is a very thankless job. We know always it's a very dangerous job, and we appreciate it. And the Bible does say there's no greater love that you have for anyone than you would lay down your life for your friends. And you men and women lay down your life not just for your friends, but for people you don't know, and oftentimes for people that uh, don't care for you at all. And my hat goes off to every one of you, and thank you so much for being here. We have a special presentation we'd like to make to Chief John Fruman for the Coronado Police Department and for Fire Chief Mike Blood at this point in time. This is uh, we, the people of First Baptist Church, Coronado, California, wish to express our appreciation to the Coronado Fire Department for your faithful service to our community as first responders. We stand with you, and we do. And uh, September the 11th, 2016, 15th anniversary of 9-11-01, and we have uh, some famous pictures of firefighters here from 9-11. We have Romans 13 that we read a few moments ago. Mike Blood, thank you on behalf of First Baptist Church for what you do for us. In particular, I I can't imagine uh, being a police officer and uh, serving in today's environment. I I can't imagine what that's like. It seems like anything that would be normally routine is not routine. And uh, it just seems like things are upside down in our society. And we love you guys, and we appreciate you even when you do pull us over. We know it's for our... Not that I ever have that happen, but people tell me uh, about that. So we, the people of First Baptist Church Coronado, want to express our... Appreciation also to the Coronado Police Department for your faithful service to communities first responders. We stand with you in the same dates here. And we hope that you guys will be able to display these where you work. And God bless you, John. We appreciate you so very, very much. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Amen. All right. We have purposely um, had our children out for this segment because we have a video that we want to show you. It is a difficult video to watch. I I give you that as a disclaimer at the beginning. But I think it would be an absolute sin, as I mentioned, to forget the price that was paid by so many for all of us. And so um, I'll let you know that ahead of time, but we're going to go ahead and run the video right now.
Myla, I don't think it's running. You know what? Maybe the Lord doesn't want us to watch this. people say we don't need this war but I say there's some things worth fighting for what about our freedom and this piece of ground we didn't get to keep them by backing down they say we don't realize the mess we're getting in Oh, you start to preaching, let me ask you this, my friend. Have you forgotten how it felt that day? See your homeland under fire and her people blown away. Have you forgotten when those towers fell? We had neighbors still inside. Took all the footage off my TV Said it's too disturbing for you and me It'll just breed anger That's what the experts say It was up to me, I'd show it every day Some say this country is just out looking for a fight after 9-11, man, I'd have to say that's right. Have you forgotten how it felt that day? See your homeland under fire and her people blown away. Have you forgotten when those towers fell? We had neighbors still inside going through. Hi. 
very sobering, very difficult to watch. Some remember the slogan, Pearl Harbor, remember Pearl Harbor. Other generations remembered, remember the Maine or remember the Alamo. I, for, I shall forever remember 9-11. How many of you remember where you were September the 11th, 2001? We were in Pleasant Grove, California, had just preached that Sunday in Napa. And we were coming back and we stopped in Pleasant Grove at a bed and breakfast and bed and breakfast infamously don't have TVs a lot. And there was no TV in our room. And so I came down to get breakfast in the morning. And I came down and I saw a little portable TV, maybe, maybe a 15-inch screen if it was that big, that someone had brought in and set on a table. And there were about a dozen people sitting around looking at that little TV. And I thought that was odd. And I asked what was going on and no one said anything at first. And then someone told me what I was looking at. It was surreal to see it on the television screen. It didn't seem... I thought it was a movie or something, maybe like that. Have you ever heard of some of the statistics? And there are so many, and we don't have time to go into them, but on any given day, there could be as many as 50,000 people in the World Trade Centers. 140,000 visitors per day. The maximum heat of the fires, they say, was 2,300 degrees Fahrenheit. Underground fires at the World Trade Center continued to burn for 69 days. There were still 105 people classified as missing from the World Trade Center, so far as my knowledge and my information is to this date. So many lost their lives in the towers. So many lost their lives in the Pentagon, in the, on the aircraft that were used. It could have been much worse. The aircraft that crashed in Pennsylvania could have crashed into the Capitol, or maybe the White House, we're not sure. 1,300 orphans created in, a, in just a matter of a couple of hours. 91 9-11 suicides estimated to follow. 422,000 cases of PTSD in New York City. How many remember what happened the next Sunday? Churches were full. It lasted a little while. Not nearly long enough. How can we even begin to fathom the depth of the suffering caused by that event 15 years ago? And how can we even begin to explain it? I, I don't have the answers. But we must not forget ever. We must not. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So suffering unhappily is a part of life. It's a rather large part of life. It's all around us. Step into my counseling office from time to time. You'll hear things that you don't want to hear. You'll know that people are suffering in ways that you can't imagine you having to go through. People in this room right now suffering through unspeakable things. People in hospitals. I went to visit Friday morning, a young man looked perfectly, probably was perfectly healthy just a matter of weeks ago, was hit on his motorcycle, and they gave him 1% chance to live. He lived. He's in a lot of pain, going through a lot of difficulties. In jails, have you ever been there? I know you guys have been there. Maybe some of you have been there in other ways. I don't know, but 
I've been there to visit and I've, I've been inside and been inside uh, in the depths of George Bailey and South, uh, South County and downtown. Suffering on the streets, homeless people, mentally ill people. We came out coals yesterday and there was a guy who was totally out of his mind, yelling, babbling, saying incredible things. On the news, it's everywhere. Everyone goes, everywhere you go, there's suffering. It plagues the rich and the poor, the black, the white, the brown, the yellow, the tan, the great and the unknown. It even affected the Son of God. We know that he went through incredible, indescribable suffering as he died on that cross. Paul gives us insights, a little bit, insights into suffering. Maybe this will help just a little bit. In 2 Corinthians 12, I have received Wonderful revelations from God, Paul says, but to keep me from getting puffed up, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from getting proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my gracious favor is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. I want to say that again. Jesus said, my power works best in your weakness. Because when we think we're strong enough, we don't need him. Isn't that right? At least we think we don't. But his power works best when, in fact, we recognize our weakness. So now, Paul says, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Since I know it is all for Christ's good, I'm quite content with my weaknesses and with insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. So Paul had a thorn in the flesh. What was that thorn in the flesh? What an actual literal thorn. What was it? Martin Luther thought maybe it was persecution because he certainly went through that. He was stoned and left for dead. He was whipped and beaten numerous times. He was jailed often. He, was, he went through all kinds of persecution. That's what Martin Luther thought. John Calvin thought it was a spiritual temptation of some kind. Others perhaps thought it was some kind of eye trouble that he had. He kind of intimates that in one of the letters that he wrote. And maybe it was a result of the Damascus Road experience where the bright light shined and scales were on his eyes for a while. Maybe that was it. Others think maybe it was epilepsy or malaria or insomnia, maybe even depression, which can be debilitating. We don't know what the thorn was. Maybe that's good because now you and I can make that application into our own lives when we have our own thorns because bad things do happen to good people. So I don't know a whole lot about whys and what happened that day, but I know three things. First of all, there's mystery in suffering. There's mystery in suffering. Why, of all the people in the New Testament, why did the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament through the inspiration of God, why did the Apostle Paul have to go through this suffering? He hints at the reason in verse 7. He talks about keeping him humble, keeping him from being proud. We can't be right with God if we're proud. It's one of the seven deadly sins. In Proverbs 6, 16, there are six things the Lord hates, no seven things he detests, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord among Brothers, six things, no seven that the Lord hates. The first one that's mentioned in a list of pretty ominous sins is haughtiness, proudness. Why do we suffer? Maybe God wants to deliver us from that same trap. 
Second thing I know is there's agony in suffering. There's absolute agony in suffering. I read not too long ago the book of Job again. Here's a man who had everything. He had it all. If you were going to make a list of the most successful people in the Far East, it would have been, it would have been uh, Job. He had it all. He had riches. He had wealth. He had fame. He was a leader in his community. He, was, he had a great family. He had lots of kids. His, everything was going his way. Flocks and riches and, I don't know, he probably had stock options and who knows. Maybe he had a yacht. I don't know. He had a lot of stuff. And in just a matter of hours, like the trade centers, in a matter of hours, it was all gone. Every bit of it was gone. He lost his kids. I can't imagine that. He lost all of his wealth. Nothing compared to losing your kids. He lost his influence. He lost his wife's integrity. And she said, why don't you just curse God and die? It was hard on her too. You know that. Incredibly difficult. Why did the man who loved God so much and defended God's actions through all this, why did he have to go through every bit of that? Such agony he endured until finally he lost his health. He was sitting there covered with sores from his head to his foot. The, the only thing that he didn't lose was his own life because God put a hedge there and said to the devil who was tempting and testing him, you can go only so far and that's far enough. That's it. The extent of Job's suffering was complete and comprehensive. He was reduced to a shell of his former self. Paul's thorn was a messenger from Satan, a tormentor. I've all, anybody here ever had a thorn in your finger? That's what, I th- that's what I always used to think about when I think of this. I think, oh, you know, you're out in the garden and you're pulling weeds, you get a thorn. You, get, you pick some roses and you get a thorn. Nothing like what it was. Nothing like it. If you look up this word, scolops in the Greek, originally denoted anything pointed, a stake, a thorn. It was physical, painful, humiliating. It was the effect of divinely permitted satanic antagonism. The verbs rendered here that I should not be exalted over much and to buffet are in the present tense signifying a recurring, ongoing action. It was just, you know, when you get a little bitty thorn that's just a little nuisance and it takes several days sometimes for that to go away. Well, this piercing, sharp, pointed, agonizing stake was driven through his life and his heart and it was ongoing. It was constantly being repeated, uh, an attack that constantly went on. I don't know if you ever watch Ultimate Fighting. It's barbaric. It ought to be banned. If they ever banned it, I won't watch it anymore. It's just awful. (laughs) But sometimes someone gets someone down and just unleashes on them unmercifully. And that's the kind of a a punishment that Paul was going through with his thorn and the flesh. Lightfoot interprets it as a stake driven through the flesh. And Ramsey agrees and says what is stressed is not the metaphorical size, but the acuteness of the suffering and its effects. And the effects were the same as you and I would have. Paul said, please, God, take this away. Have you ever prayed that? You had a problem? Say, God, please let this go away. Please take this away. Please make this all better. Three times specifically he prayed, and God's answer each time was, my grace is sufficient. And my strength is manifest and made perfect in your weakness. And so Paul comes to a point that too many of us never come to, and he says, most gladly, therefore, will I suffer to have the power of Christ in my life. Will you be willing to suffer if it means God uses you in a greater way. 
There's mystery in suffering. There's agony in suffering. The third thing is this. There can be victory in suffering. Paul said, I therefore take pleasure of infirmities. I approve of these infirmities in my life I, and in reproaches, which is hurt and harm, and in necessities, which is distress brought on to me daily, and in persecutions and in distresses, narrowness of a room, tunnel, uh, kind of a tunneling thing, a pressing in for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And ladies and gentlemen, we cannot do anything of any lasting value in our own strength. It's in the strength of the Lord, the strength of God. Whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, he glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who could be against us? He that spared not his own son. You understand, he's not just telling us that we're to let God's strength be our strength. He also showed that, demonstrated that in the person of his only begotten son who volunteered to take upon him all of your sins, all of my sins, the sins of seven billion people who are alive today and billions more who have lived. He took all of those sins upon himself. And it's not just like he took some kind of a burden and put it on his shoulders. It's as if, the Bible tells us, as if he committed those sins. He became guilt and shame for us. But what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Is that going to... Run you away from God or distress or persecution? Will those cause you to lose your faith or famine or nakedness or perilous sword? Will, is that when you'll lay down your faith? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, Paul said. Been through all this stuff, I am persuaded. That neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, and those are spiritual high-ranking um, uh, beings, nor present things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so here it is. When you come to your time of suffering, here it is. When you come to your hour of need, here it is when the load is pressing upon you and your weakness is so acute and you don't know if you can go another day, here is the test of faith. Do we take pleasure? in suffering we don't naturally it's not a natural thing when we suffer it's not so, we don't naturally say thank you God for letting me go through this awful thing we don't but it's to be a goal we are to aspire to if we go through suffering for his name's sake that we take pleasure in suffering the test of faith and then the rest of faith the rest in faith is his grace all that we need so that his power can dwell in us? The test of faith, the rest of faith. History is filled with those greatly used at the cost of suffering. Fox's Book of Martyrs gives only a snapshot. In real life, there are martyrs by the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands that are losing their lives for the cause of Christ even today, in various parts of the world. The first responders and the military are others who go through incredible suffering. 
Jesus Christ is our supreme example as he hung on the cross. There is mystery in suffering. There is agony in suffering. But there can be great victory in suffering because God can give us that victory. And one of these days, everything is going to be right. One of these days, the stress that you're under will be lifted. One of these days, the burden you bear will no longer be there. One of these days, that which is holding you down, that which is driving your strength out, your life out, your wealth out, your everything, that which is trying to destroy you will no longer be there. If you know Christ as your Savior, it all hinges on that. Would you bow your heads again, please? I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I know we've got a lot of guests here. I don't want anybody to feel uneasy. But I want to make sure if you never come back to First Baptist Church again, the most important thing is do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you know him as your Lord and your Savior? He loved you so much he died on the cross for you. Took every sin you've ever committed, every word you've ever spoken and hate and anger, every action you've ever, every, every thought you've ever had. He died for every bit of that. So would you? If you've never done so, would you choose to put your faith and trust in him right now? He died for you. He was buried for you. After three days, he rose again for you. He's coming back. For those who have have faith and trust in Christ, one day he's coming back. Say, preacher, how would I do that? In your own heart, God knows what's there right now. You can pray to him something like this. You You can say this prayer to God without saying it out loud, or you can say it out loud. It doesn't bother me. You say, dear God... I realize that I am a sinner. I realize that I don't deserve to go to heaven. I've fallen so far short of what you want me to be. But this morning, I believe that Jesus Christ paid a price for my sins. I believe he died on that cross. I believe he suffered like no one else has ever suffered in this world. And he died, and I believe he rose again supernaturally. And this morning, I trust him as my Lord and my Savior. Be my God. Take care of me. Bless me, even in the midst of trial. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you just prayed that prayer, do me a favor, because it'll mean a lot to us. On your connection card, if you didn't fill out one, fill out one before you leave. But on your connection card, put down. I trusted Christ as my Savior. I turned my life over to the Lord. And if we can help you anyway, we'd be glad to. I forgot to have Bonnie come back up and sing. So she's going to sing right now. And then we'll be dismissed in prayer. Since you talked with the Lord and told him your heart's hidden secrets, how long since you prayed 
Um, my name is Rachel, and I'm just going to share the announcements with you guys. We have our tithe and offering boxes in the back on the left-hand side of the door for members. And guests, if you would please uh, fill out the connection card that Pastor Jim was speaking about earlier. It's in the back of the seats there and with your name and phone number and how we can be praying for you. And we would love to keep in touch with you guys. This Wednesday, we have the Young Couples Bible Study at 6.30 p.m. It's here. And that is run by Jen and Jake Snyder. And then Thursday, we have David Lassiter's small group. It's at 7 p.m. And that is at Myla's house, for those of you who know about that. And then Friday, we are starting our women's Bible study. So all you ladies come on this Friday at 9.30 a.m. And we have child care here, so that's awesome. And we are going to be learning uh, the book of James, studying the book of James. And the book is called This Changes Everything. And it is a book about faith. And then Saturday... We have men's discipleship at Panera Bread at 8 a.m. Uh, Pastor Jim is going to be leading that. Um, so men, if you are available this Saturday morning, please join them at the Panera Bread at 8 o'clock. Then ladies, <laughs> we have our luncheon here at 12 p.m. with an awesome guest speaker. Her name is Paula Dunn. She will be singing and sharing an amazing testimony So and free lunch. And I just need RSVP on that. Uh, we have about 35 people, ladies so far, that are going to be here. And so just want to make sure we have enough food for everyone. And it's going to be a great time. I'm excited about that. And then also on Sunday, Paula Dunn will be back here to lead us in worship. And so that will be amazing. And Pastor Jim can't give it up, so he'll be here preaching. <laughs> and then, um, oh, yes. We, the leadership team, have uh, established the new budget for this coming year, and so we have so diligently provided uh, documentation on the back table back there. If you would like to take one, please feel free. We've, uh, Marty has <laughs> printed a lot of copies out for, for everybody who, who would like one. And if you have any questions regarding the budget, please don't hesitate to ask the questions. Just please um, give the questions here, like you can write them down on a sheet of paper, give them to Darian, put them in the connection box if you'd like, uh, however you would like to ask the question, but please get them back to us by October the 2nd so that we can move forward with our awesome new year coming up. Thank you guys. And let's join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for your salvation, Lord. We thank you for saving us from death and for giving us life eternally, now and forever. Lord, I thank you that your grace is sufficient for us, Lord, and that your power is made perfect in our weaknesses. Um, we have nothing, Lord, to offer you but our sin. So I just pray that um, we just all would... Be free to share all of it with you, Lord, because you already know it all. You know the depths of our hearts. Um, you created us, Lord, and what a beautiful, beautiful gift that is. Thank you for giving us the gift of faith and that by knowing your all-surpassing grace, we can receive it all, Lord. And so we, we praise you. We worship you. Thank you for this church, this family, brothers and sisters in Christ. God, you just... Um, 
You are amazing, and I thank you for all of the first responders here today, Lord. And I pray for your abundant protection on their lives and their families' lives, God. And thank you for your umbrella of protection here in this little place that you have just so, um, you just made it so steadfast and faithful to what your word says. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Greet our first responders. Thank you for being here. May you have a blessed Lord's Day. God bless.